0: tonight on global news searching for metal
1: just destroyed completely destroyed
0: an east vancouver cheese shop targeted for its copper it's a lot of money we're a
1: small business and vandalism affects small businesses
0: and the thousands of dollars they'll need to come up with plus brazen theft caught on camera
2: you know you don't necessarily signing up for You know, people grabbing, running, threatening you with knives or needles.
0: The repeated thefts at a popular snowboard shop and the serious safety concerns to staff. And then... There are no um, real grass infield areas. The petition calling for natural grass at a Vancouver track and field facility and why they want to turf the fake stuff. Good evening and thanks for joining us. A Vancouver skate and snowboard shop has been targeted by thieves once again. It's nothing new. The owner of the boardroom in Kitsilano says his employees are chasing after shoplifters on a weekly basis. But it appears the thieves are becoming more brazen than ever before. As Travis Prasad reports, the shop's latest theft shows just how brave shoplifters have become.
3: Monday, October 30th, around 5.30 p.m., a man walks into the boardroom shop on West 4th Avenue and appears to be browsing like he's done in the past.
4: You know, I've seen him in here before.
3: The man grabs a skateboard and checks it out for a few seconds, then heads for the door with it. Once outside, he hops on the stolen board and skates down the street, but he doesn't get far.
2: You know, this guy came in, pretended to shop, snuck out, skated down the street. chased after him and, and got the product back, so big kudos to my staff.
3: It's yet another instance of shoplifting that has become a regular occurrence at the store, according to staff.
2: This is happening on the weekly basis, you know, that we're having to chase people from skateboards to Patagonia jackets. You know, we're, we're seeing a, a drastic increase in this, uh, especially since the pandemic.
3: In July, someone smashed the front window of the boardroom's clearance shop. Surveillance video shows a man loading up a garbage bin with 15 pairs of new shoes, valued at $1,000.
5: They took the ends of this rack, they took the jackets off this rack.
3: In January, a crew of at least four thieves pried open the back door, disabled the alarm, and made off with $250,000 worth of merchandise. A new poll by the Canadian Federation of Independent Business finds 45% of businesses have recently been affected by crime, with vandalism and theft driving up operating costs at a time of high inflation.
6: So when you have to pile on repairing a broken window five times a year onto those overhead costs, um, it doesn't look good for small businesses' bottom lines.
3: The CFIB is calling on governments to address contributing issues like housing and mental health. While the stolen item was recovered this time, Sapuna says something needs to change. For the safety of staff, and the success of local retailers.
2: And it's really disheartening for a small business like ours.
3: Travis Prasad, Global News.
0: It was only a few dollars worth of copper, but a small business owner in Vancouver says the vandalism is going to cost him big time. His story is one of many around the province, and the reason the government has introduced a grant to help businesses recover from vandalism. But as Alyssa Thiebaud reports, he'll still be on the hook for thousands of dollars.
1: And here is what is left of an AC unit.
6: On the roof of a Strathcona small business.
1: Just destroyed, completely destroyed.
6: The owner finds what's left of his air conditioning unit, pulled apart by thieves wanting pieces of metal.
1: It's a bit, oh my God, I I can't really believe someone would do that.
6: The unit services this specialty cheese store on East Hastings. When the weather cooled down in mid-September, the air conditioning was switched off. The damage only discovered this week by a maintenance worker.
1: And he sent me some pictures. He goes, do you know that your air conditioning unit for the kitchen is totally destroyed? And I was like, no.
6: Police are investigating and Chaput estimates the repair bill will be $13,000. Insurance will cover it, but there's a $5,000 deductible. It's a lot of money,
1: we're a small business and vandalism affects small businesses, it's it's just another cost of uh, doing business in Vancouver.
6: Like so many other businesses across the city, the store has also been plagued by issues of graffiti for years. There is some relief coming for small businesses dealing with vandalism. Later this month applications open for a rebate program to cover some of the costs related to repairs and prevention and it's retroactive for january 1st businesses can receive up to two thousand dollars for things like window breaks and other damage and one thousand dollars for preventative measures like shutters applications are open november 22nd
1: there's so many challenges It's, it's just one more thing
6: Shaput says even if he's successful in securing the grant money it won't cover the total repair cost but for a small business every little bit helps Alyssa thibault global news
0: The man at the center of an extensive missing person search has been found deceased. 86-year-old David Ho left his Tawasin home on Wednesday for a walk and never returned. Police say he was found across the border in Point Roberts. Delta Police says David's family, friends and the communities of Tawasin and Point Roberts demonstrated extraordinary care and engagement throughout the search and their hearts go out to them. Rogers' technicians across Metro Vancouver have served a 72-hour strike notice after contract negotiations broke down. The union representing the nearly 300 workers says it plans to roll out a series of rotating strikes after a complete work stoppage starting Monday. Rogers says it will be locking employees out at that time. Both parties have been at the bargaining table since February with job security at the forefront.
7: The intent was to maintain our job security that we have through our jurisdictional boundaries, uh, provide some clarity on what the uh, future looked like for our members. And uh, Rogers has other plans. They are looking to expand the scope of what contractors would be permitted to do. We see that as a uh, in the long term and the short term as a decline or an erosion of our members' jobs. Um, it's unfortunate that uh, they're at this place, um, but our members are resound in uh, protecting their jurisdiction um, as it applies to job security.
0: Rogers says it has activated contingency plans to maintain services to customers in response to the strike notice. Vancouver has a history of producing track and field champions, but the University of British Columbia is home to the only space in the city that can accommodate all events. So when a new facility was announced in East Vancouver, the community rejoiced. But as Julia Foy reports, there is a possibility their dream could be turfed. Whoa! Okay. Olympic
8: athlete Liz Gleedle only grew up a few blocks from Point Grey Secondary School. It has a popular track and field program, but with a turf field instead of a grass one, it can't
6: offer students the sport she loves.
2: One centimeters, and she could equal the 60 ah. meters mark.
6: I've been to London 2012, Rio 2016, and Tokyo 2021.
2: So we know
8: our medalists. Her love of javelin throwing has taken her
6: around the world, but
8: training for her sport at the beginning wasn't easy.
6: I threw out of grass fields, I threw out of a parking lot that we used to roll mats through the parking lot and throw over the power lines into a grass field. And in javelin that's a little complicated.
8: It turns out that grass versus turf is a hot topic when it comes to track and field throwing sports like javelin, hammer and discus. And at the centre of the controversy is Killarney Secondary.
3: Uh, Killarney has now been tapped as what is supposed to become the new competitive facility, what they call a Class A facility. And and, uh, so it was, everything was going along great.
8: Recommendations were made to the park board in 2019 after extensive consultations, but so far nothing has been done and there's concern the needed grass infield will be converted to turf. We asked the park board to respond. They said a final decision on the infield material at Killarney Park, i.e. natural grass or synthetic turf, has not yet been made. A staff report will go to the park board on November 27th, and a decision on the final design will be made at that time.
9: Yeah, my message to the park board is consistent with all the feedback that we've provided throughout the public consultation period, and we continue to advocate for less us have Vancouver as um you know a full full offering for a track and field facility program.
3: This is you know our chance to go from literally zero facilities to one facility.
9: As for Gleedle,
3: who's on
8: track to go to Paris for the 2024 Olympics, she wants Vancouver's future track and field stars to train close to home. Let's hear you fans bring them home. I want to have a track
6: here where we could invite athletes and say hey come to Vancouver. And we put them up in Vancouver, we show them how beautiful and wonderful Vancouver is and we attract incredible athletes.
0: Julia Foy,
6: Global News.
0: CalSA AIDS Vancouver team distributed new winter jackets to hundreds of first year international students. For many students, this year's wet and cold weather may be the first time they are experiencing a Canadian winter. This is the second time the nonprofit has put on the event at Surrey's CalSA school location, with close to 400 students expected to attend, many being recent arrivals.
10: It's been one month for me coming here, so it is a new challenge for me. So I'm like uh, kind of new for this environment and all. So I have to adapt each and everything. So it's uh, quite a big challenge for me. I,
3: mean, I think it's critical and it's getting more and more important every year, just with inflation the way, that, the way it is. Um, this is just another cost that they have to bear. And so if we can support them anyway and kind of alleviate some of that burden, that's one of the main reasons why we're giving it away.
0: Along with handing out winter jackets, students can expect various vendors such as mental health, immigration and banking advisors. Coming up, protecting B.C.'s old growth forests and endangered species.
11: Many ecosystems are close to the brink.
0: Conservation groups react to the new $1 billion investment in nature conservation and what they hope to see might say it's not the type of news environmentalists are used to, always pushing for more protections of BC's lands and waters. But they say now an announcement on Friday worth $1 billion is a step in the right direction. Paul Johnson reports.
11: This is arguably unprecedented
2: for BC. Usually when we've spoken to Jens Weeding of the BC Sierra Club, It's because of an urgent issue where they feel government policy is failing to protect the environment. But this week, he's got a different take.
11: I think the majority of the environmental groups are really impressed with some of the specific details.
2: This is a paradigm shift in our province
11: about protecting
2: ecosystems. Friday's announcement had a lot of big numbers attached to it. More than a billion dollars in funding from the provincial and federal governments. Plans to put First Nations in the lead for executing the vision, with a goal of 30% of B.C.'s lands and waters protected by 2030. While big promises on conservation have been made by countless governments in the past and failed to live up to expectations, B.C.'s leading environmental groups feel this one is different.
11: This agreement is stronger than previous announcements because it ties to targets on the path to 2030. It highlights the importance of following through on existing promises. One part that
2: inspires weeding is the goal to permanently protect up to 1.3 million hectares of old growth. Some of that massive ancient trees that have continued to be logged despite previous promises to protect more of that category of forest. The plan is expected to help with efforts to protect critically endangered species like spotted owls and some of the interior's herds of caribou. Weeding says B.C. hasn't seen anything this big since the establishment of the Great Bear Rainforest on the central coast and could very well become a prototype for other jurisdictions.
11: This nature agreement is really significant for the province, for Canada and other parts of the world to inspire change. Paul Johnson, Global News.
0: Cigarettes remain the most littered item on Vancouver streets, despite the number of smokers decreasing. According to the City of Vancouver, an estimated 400 to 450,000 cigarette butts are littered each day. The concern is related to the toxic chemicals in them leaching into the environment and waterways. The city encourages smokers to seek out trash bins or use a pocket ashtray.
12: We really encourage people to dispose of them responsibly. We've got over three thousand public waste bins in the city. Um, people can fully extinguish them, make sure they're out, of course, and then put them into one of the public waste bins. We've also got public um, or pocket ashtrays available. So these are free. They're available at most community centres in the city as well as community policing centres.
0: In Vancouver, discarding cigarette butts on the ground is considered littering and comes with a fine ranging from $250 to $10,000. TransLink is giving commuters an easier way to report a mess in need of cleaning inside SkyTrain stations. A new cleaning and maintenance text line is currently being tested at Commercial Broadway and Surrey Central stations. Commuters can scan a QR code on their cell phones, which will then send a message to maintenance staff. This new initiative was identified as one of 40 customer experience improvements, which will be made throughout 2027. Well still ahead, the Vancouver Asian Film Festival returns. Celebrating Asian talent on the silver screen and how it's helping to combat anti-Asian hate. Plus, train enthusiasts unite, BC's largest expo, back on track at the PE. The 27th Vancouver Asian Film Festival is underway and this year it's the largest it has ever been. The film festival features 131 unique film creations and over 20 world premieres with emerging and established Asian Canadian and American writers, Producers and directors. The director of the festival Centerpiece Films says this event represents an important opportunity to tell Asian stories and to address anti Asian hate.
6: During the rise of Asian hate uh, in America, I was pretty flabbergasted. I think I was kind of gobsmacked on what was going on. And I actually live in Wyoming also. And when I looked out at this beautiful nature, I almost felt like nature was kind of looking at me saying, shaking its heads like, this is what's going on. And I, I don't know, something resonated with me and I felt, you know, I need to do something Enough is enough. I need to do something, whatever that is. And I felt that telling a story was my best way of giving back to my own community and saying something I always feel. Storytelling is the best way to reach people's hearts and have empathy.
0: The 11-Day Film Festival will be on until November the 12th. For many of us, our first introduction to puppetry came through children's programming, cherished shows like Sesame Street and The Muppets. Now this timeless art form is having a moment. From Broadway hits to popular shows and movies, puppets are taking center stage. Mark Carcassel takes us into the modern world of puppetry.
13: The audience is mesmerized. This performance is part of the first-ever PuppetCon. We passed lots of things A weekend full of live shows, workshops and events. Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> it's all happening in Almont, Ontario, a community outside of Ottawa that has become an international hub for all things puppets.
5: It's so pretty here.
13: And a big draw is Canadian puppeteering icon Noreen Young. With her is Gloria the Gopher from Under the Umbrella Tree.
8: It's a type of media that is appealing to all ages, and it teaches, it entertains, it can be therapeutic. It's an art that's underestimated, I would say.
13: Puppetry dates back thousands of years. Now it's having a moment. From Broadway hits to films like War Horse, Star Wars, and The Little Mermaid, puppets, are taking center
3: stage. It's really difficult to turn on TV and not see puppets. I don't see how anyone could think that it's a dying art form, because puppets are everywhere.
13: Look at all of these friends we have. Y'all gonna be my friends? In Nashville, Megan Pyfus is performing for kindergartners at Creve Hall Elementary. Megan is a trailblazer. She's Sesame Street's first full-time black female puppeteer. She knows puppetry can entertain, educate, and tackle important conversations. My very first opportunity with Sesame Street was breaking down racism for kids. So Sesame Street has the ability to take these ginormous world issues and bring them down to where a child can understand them, process them, and respond to them. And puppetry is also a powerful art form for adults, for storytelling, entertainment and social activism. Now to learn more about the future of puppetry, you can watch the new reality tonight at 7. Mark Carcassol, Global News.
0: A national substance problem appears to be getting worse. New data from Statistics Canada shows that cocaine use is on the rise. Global News' Naomi Barguio has more about where the use is most prominent and why this trend is happening now.
5: Cocaine use is on the
0: rise, according to new data from Statistics Canada.
5: Levels of the drug measured in Canadian wastewater found an increase between January 2020 and May 2023. Wastewater was tracked in seven municipalities. Prince Albert, Saskatchewan had the highest detected daily cocaine per capita so far this year, while Metro Vancouver and Toronto showed the lowest daily use. Andy Hathaway is a professor at the University of Guelph specializing in harm reduction and illicit drug use. While there isn't a demographic mentioned in the new StatsCan report, Hathaway says most users are likely young adults.
1: There's been a lot of social disruption over the last two or three years. Um, People are looking to get back into things. I think there's a a whole generation that feels like it's been shortchanged thanks to COVID.
5: In March, half a million Canadians reported using cocaine in the past year. Hathaway says he now expects to see a resurgence in public health messaging around the dangers of cocaine.
1: It's measured and will adopt a harm reduction approach as opposed to just say no, which um, clearly has never been an effective drug control strategy.
5: The new stats come amid a growing crisis of substance abuse and drug overdose, including growing concerns about contaminants like fentanyl and global drug supplies. The Public Health Agency of Canada said earlier this year that toxic substances like fentanyl in drug supplies is a, quote, major driver of the overdose crisis. In Canada, possessing, selling, and producing cocaine is illegal. Naomi Bargiel,
0: Global News. Coming up, heading to the Culinary Olympics. The extremely talented BC junior chefs looking for gold in Germany next year and how they're preparing. Stay with us top junior chefs in Canada are getting some of their last bits of practice as they prepare to compete in the 2024 Culinary World Olympics. The Junior Culinary Team Canada cooked a gold medal worthy meal at North Island College last night. The team will travel to Germany in February. The core part of the team has been together for the last three and a half years and won a gold and silver medal in Luxembourg just two years ago and are looking to improve on that performance.
2: Out of 24 or 30 teams, Uh, We've come in first, we've come in second, we've come in third, in the past, over the last 30, 35 years. um, But you know, our our goal is to be number one and come in with at least uh, two golds and hopefully the, the gold that beats all the other golds.
6: Obviously outside of the kitchen it's nice, we're all friendly, but we also know that once we're in the box it's down to business. And um, nothing is said personal, everything is for the benefit of our team.
0: The team's last practice before the competition will take place in the new year. I bet they're
9: pretty popular at parties.
0: Meteorologist, <laughs> asking, yeah. asking about the
9: taste testers. Just putting it out there. We'll
0: put, put our names on there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, meteorologist Yvonne Shell joining
9: us now. Yvonne, <laughs> it was raining in the morning and then and sudden, the sun came out. That was nice to see. Yeah, it was a bit of a mixed bag through the day. Today, a few spots continued to see some spotty showers and it was mild. A big weather story as well and windy for a few spots. And we still have a wind warning in effect and I'll have that coming up in just a moment. We're currently sitting at 13. We've got a southerly wind at 24. Four. It'll still be breezy as we get in towards this evening we could see a few areas with gusts of up to 40 kilometers per hour now, these are unofficial numbers but preliminary pit meadows getting up to 18.4 white rock 18.5 old record of 17 degrees was set back in 1997 even Comox getting up to 17.9 powell river and areas near squamish today getting up to 16.5 now for us out of the airport the old record was actually 18.4 that was set back in 1980 so we came very close to it but it looks like we may have recorded the highest, the third highest temperature for November since 1937. So we were close. It was a mild one through the day today, and the average typically sits at 10. Wanted to give you some unofficial numbers for rainfall amounts as well, with Squamish getting up to 44 millimetres, Hope 39. Courtney, the eastern regions of the island, closer to 37. Victoria, and then out of the airport, just up to 15 millimetres. And the winds through the day today, with some of those areas seeing gusts. Out of the airport, we were upwards of 40. Saturna Island getting up to 63 kilometers per hour. Even Colmox getting upwards of 61, and it'll still be breezy as we get in towards this evening. Now, here's what we're anticipating. We've got actually got a brief break between systems. For tomorrow, we've got cloud cover, a few isolated showers may be in the mix, but this will be the next weather maker that moves in. It'll be late for the evening hours and then taking us in towards tomorrow. The areas of concern for the northeastern corner still seeing heavy snow at times this evening, 10 and up to 15 centimeters, and areas along the central coast, coastal region. Regions, we'll still see some of those winds sustained at 90 and gusts of up to 110 kilometres per hour. So wet and windy along the north and central coast. The snowfall should taper off through the morning hours for the peace. Areas into the central interior or underneath a mainly cloudy sky. Much of the southern half of the province will see a few breaks in there, especially for the Thompson Okanagan. We are going to see that rain moving in across the island as early as the afternoon. But most areas across the lower mainland will see that rain intensify towards the evening hours. A reminder before you go to bed tonight. Daylight saving time. It ends, so set your clock one hour behind. For Monday, though, we'll be tracking that rain and a few breaks once again for our Wednesday, Thursday. Krista?
0: Thanks, Juan. That time again, daylight saving time. Thank you. Well, BC's biggest train show has pulled into the station for the first time in four years. Everything from model railroads, demonstrations, and even the chance to ride a mini train await hobbyists of all ages. It runs until 6 p.m. today and again from 10 to 5 tomorrow. The train expo is now in its 38th year. And now that it's out of a pandemic hiatus, it's full steam ahead.
12: I'd like to think hobbies doing better because, you know, everyone's been locked inside. So everyone's really not had stuff to do except, you know, find stuff to do around their house. Some people might buy some train sets and take a look at that.
0: Hobby shops have also had a strong recovery out of COVID with more opening every year. But Marcus C. says there has been a decline in youth getting into model trains with everything going digital. It's kind of like the cars, though. I feel like they're always going to be around with, yeah. you know, the model yeah, yeah, yeah. I like That's to quite. see it in person. Yeah, go around and around. All yeah. right. Uh, Asa Raymond is in with sports. What's yeah. a big day, hey? Right,
7: massive weekend mm. uh, for the Vancouver Whitecaps, the BC Lions as well. The BC Lions kicking off their playoffs uh, today and uh, just wrapping up their game against the Calgary Stampeders at BC Place. It was an intense one. Plenty of big hits, some touchdowns, and an incredible game from the quarterback, Vernon Adams. We'll have all those highlights coming up shortly.
0: Okay, looking forward to that. All right. Thanks so much, Asa. Well, still ahead, we'll have the latest on Israel and Gaza. The death toll still climbing and the latest barrage reportedly hitting a school in a refugee camp. Stay with us. To the Middle East now where Israel has intensified its heavy bombardment of Gaza and now reports an airstrike hit a school run by the UN for displaced Palestinian children in a refugee camp. Gaza's Hamas-run health ministry says more than 9,000 Palestinians have been killed. The UN says 70% of the victims are women and children. Israel says more than 200 hostages are being held captive by Hamas inside Gaza. Mike Armstrong has the latest from Jerusalem, but first a warning. Some of the images are disturbing.
4: Even as its offensive pushes forward, The Israel Defense Forces are urging civilians in northern Gaza to move south. While watching these images released by the IDF make it appear there is danger in moving, but the images coming from journalists on the ground make it clear staying put is dangerous as well. A doctor at the Al Shifa Hospital says an Israeli strike hit a UN run school that was being used as a shelter, killing 15 people. This boy says there were three explosions and that he helped carry a decapitated body. The Secretary General of the United Nations said Saturday he is horrified by a strike on an ambulance. Video of the scene Friday showed more than a dozen bodies. The Israeli military confirms it hit the ambulance but says it was targeted because it was being used by Hamas fighters. Now, in a post on Twitter Saturday, the IDF announced a three-hour window for people to move south safely on a specific road. It later said that area was fired on by Hamas to stop people from moving. Now, there was no movement on Gaza's southern border. After hundreds of foreign nationals were able to leave for Egypt through the Rafah crossing over the last few days, none crossed Saturday. According to a U.S. official, things shut down over injured patients that were being moved to Egypt. Hamas was trying to send injured fighters in with injured civilians. The crossing was closed. Canadians stuck in Gaza had been told they might be able to get out Sunday. There's fear that may now be pushed back.
8: And yes, so that means...
4: Azia Mathkor is with her husband and two children.
8: Now the people that are on the list today, They're going to have to try tomorrow again. Oh God, this is just, no, no, it's just a a nightmare, another nightmare.
4: Global Affairs Canada will only say Canadians should be able to cross at some point in the coming days. According to its latest update between people holding Canadian passports and their eligible family members, it's a list of about 500 people. Mike Armstrong, Global News, Jerusalem.
0: U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is also in the Middle East. As David Aiken reports, he and the foreign ministers from several, several Arab states met to find ways not only to, only to stop the fighting in Gaza, but to make sure the violence did not, does not spread to Lebanon or elsewhere in the region.
1: In Jordan, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken met with foreign ministers from Arab states in the region who are pushing for an Israeli ceasefire. This is our position that a ceasefire is imperative to deal with the consequences, the humanitarian consequences of this uh, conflict. But the United States, Canada, and many other Western countries say they cannot ask Israel for a ceasefire. It's our view that uh, a ceasefire now would simply leave Hamas in place, able to regroup and repeat what it did on October 7th. Indeed, Hamas, which Canada says is a terrorist organization, has vowed to do just that. One of its top officials told Lebanese TV last week it would repeat the October 7th attacks again and again and again. The U.S. preference, and Canada's, is for what is being called a humanitarian pause, a brief cessation of military operations. We believe pauses can be a critical mechanism for protecting civilians, We're getting aid in, we're getting foreign nationals out, while still enabling Israel to achieve its objective, to defeat Hamas. But Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu rejected what he called, quote, a temporary humanitarian ceasefire offer until the hostages held by Hamas are released. Blinken is now bound for Turkey, the only NATO ally that is also a Muslim-majority nation, where protesters on Saturday were waiting to greet him. David Aiken, Global News.
0: The death toll is rising after a strong earthquake shook parts of northwestern Nepal late Friday night. Joe Scarpelli has more on the rescue and now recovery efforts.
12: It's become Nepal's deadliest tremor in eight years as search and rescue operations are continuing. <laughs> The death toll Saturday morning has risen to more than 150 people. This is some of the devastating aftermath. Homes and buildings have been destroyed, as officials and civilians could be seen making their way through the rubble. The earthquake happened late Friday around midnight in a mountainous region about 500 kilometers west of the capital, Kathmandu. The U.S. Geological Survey pegged it as a magnitude 5.6, enough to destroy what some authorities say is poor construction. Nepal's Prime Minister, along with one of his ministers, visited some survivors in the hours following the quake, which was felt in cities as far away as New Delhi, India. India's Prime Minister posting on X that his country stands with the people of Nepal and is ready to extend all possible assistance. In 2015, two earthquakes in Nepal killed about 9,000 people and destroyed more than a million homes and structures. Joe Scarpelli, Global News.
0: Coming up, Lions, Stampeders and the West semi-final. It's do or die against their Western rivals. We'll have a report from BC Place. Asa is here with sports.
9: Discover the world's most captivating, immersive experience about space. Experience firsthand what life is like in orbit. Space Explorers The Infinite is inspired by NASA missions and will transport visitors into space abroad the International Space Station. Join Willowbrook's 8th Annual Charity Shopping Night, benefiting Big Brothers Big Sisters of Langley. Enjoy a live musical performance by Chantal Kraviasik and more. For RBC, I'm Yvonne Schell
2: in partnership with preventable and icbc yellow lines don't prevent distracted driving you do let's keep it preventable
0: asa is in now with sports okay everyone has been watching the bc lines game and Not
7: everyone a lot of people watching the show obviously come on now
0: <laughs> at bc place yeah yes yes <laughs> everyone at bc
7: place uh, enjoyed quite the show uh, a great Uh, performance by the BC Lions a great result as well and uh, we'll get to the highlights in a moment it was a busy weekend or it is a busy weekend at BC Place, starting with the Lions hosting the Stampeders in the Western semifinal the Lions looking for revenge uh, from the team that beat them quite handily the Stamps uh, closed out the season just a couple weeks ago with a convincing victory and it was a revenge fresh on the mind for the BC Lions so right from the opening kickoff this was intense Peyton Logan the returner for the Stamps getting hit hard right there just seconds into this game everyone just getting into their seats getting ready for the high intensity here and uh, the opening drive for the Calgary St. Peters, they look very good Jake Meyer to Mark and Michelle for the touchdown seven nothing Stamps but that sort of woke up the Lions Vernon Adams Jr. in particularly he finds Javon Katoy right here and we have a tie game seven seven the defense was doing its job and the offense was rolling as well final play of the first quarter no one open so Adams gets it down with his feet scampering into the end zone getting another touchdown second quarter more from Adams and he would have a career game just an incredible performance great to see in the playoffs this time he scrambles scoots into the end zone getting it done with his feet that was his second score on the ground he was a leading rusher for the Lions as well with 54 yards and then just before halftime quick read here quick delivery finishing another drive with the TD tossing this one to Keon Hatcher He was 20 for 39 413 yards and two TDs through the air in this game fourth quarter more from Adams third rushing TD of the game absolutely incredible and then. You saw Peyton Logan take a big hit earlier. This is a bit of a scary one as the BC Lions Hinsberger gets in on that collision hard hit head to head scary scene Fear for the worst. But fortunately after oh, a bit of a delay both players would get up to their feet and actually leave this game so that's obviously good to see good to see that both those players upright and doing OK. Meanwhile the Lions defense was Very good as well that time Matthew Betts with the pressure David Menard with the sack and the Lions win this one convincingly 41 to 30 great game for the fans at BC Place. Uh, So the Lions advance to face the Blue Bombers in a rematch of last year's Western Final and for more on today's big win here's Jay Janauer from BC Place
11: for the second straight season. The B.C. Lions are heading to Winnipeg for the CFL Western Final. Gary Peters. I thought the turning point of this football game wasn't Calgary scoring on their first possession. I thought it was you coming up with that interception on their second possession. Yes, sir. Uh,
10: I mean, coming into the week, I've been super, super locked in. I've uh, been on top of my teammates all week uh, with the little things, with the details, because it's a playoffs. You know, the intensity is going to be high. They came out, they scored the first drive, so we need to play, so I, I knew, like, i they throw the ball my way, I'm, I'm going to try to get it every time they throw it today, it don't matter what. So they threw it and I went and got it, you know, the rest is history. Came out, turned around and won the game.
11: You and I were talking at the noon show when we did the show and you, you said you had goosebumps, you were so excited to yeah. get going. Could you sense something in this room all week long or in the dressing room before the game that you are going to put 40 on the board today?
10: I, I didn't know we would put 40 on the board, but I knew about how hard we was practicing all week that we would come out and have a good game, you know even though they scored more points than we would like on defense. We were resilient no matter what. We we're playing physical, playing fast. I felt like we stopped to run a lot better this time. So I knew something good was going to happen. I just didn't know what. 41-30 was the final score. I think a little
11: bit flattering for, yeah. the Cal- for Calgary. You only give up the opening touchdown. You give up the late one. Mm-hmm. Vernon Adams, Jr., let's talk about his performance yeah. today. 28 of 39, 413 mm-hmm. yards two touchdowns, and then he carried it seven times, Mm -hmm. 54 yards, and two more on the ground. His performance as your starter for his first playoff game here.
10: I mean, y'all didn't give him an All-Star vote. He didn't get the M.O.P., but I know for him, he's put more work into this offseason than he's ever done in his life, and you can tell by the way he's playing on the field. So I know he has a huge chip on his shoulder. He won't ever come out here and say it. He does nothing but give love to his teammates and, 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 and praise his teammates, but behind the scenes, he's the first one here every day. He's working out. He's the last one to leave. He's always watching his iPad, because a lot of people gave up on Vernon, you know? And he fell into our lap, sat behind Nate last year, had to wait his opportunity, and now he's our leader and our quarterback of this team, and I couldn't be more proud of him.
11: Before I let you go, how much are you looking forward to getting back to Winnipeg, especially the way that it went in their final game here?
10: Um, It's business time. We got to go handle business. You know, they came in here, they beat us. It kind of felt like last year when we lost to them in the West final. And everybody in the locker room, you know, we all came together. We don't want to feel that feeling again. So we gotta go out there next week and handle business. No matter what what the obstacles are, no matter who they put on the field, we gotta go handle business, and that's what we plan to do.
11: Congratulations! Thanks go so celebrate much. with your teammates. Thank you,
10: Jay. All right,
11: oh. All the best. The BC Lions heading off to Winnipeg for the Western Final for the second straight year. What a game today here at BC Place. Just over thirty thousand fans.
7: Thanks so much, Shay. Uh, yeah, happy times at BC Place. Uh, Vancouver Whitecaps hoping for the same tomorrow. It is game two of the best of three series between the Whitecaps and LAFC. It marks the first playoff game at BC Place since 2017 and after losing 5-2 last week in California the Caps will be hoping for a loud crowd to push them to victory in a must-win game and it is expected to be the biggest home crowd in the club's MLS history as the total attendance number is close to 28,000 with just under 24 hours till kickoff.
13: It's, a, it's an exciting time for the, for the city to get a, a home playoff game for the first time in a little while so we'll be... Um, you know, we'll be giving it everything we can to try and send them home happy and make them want to come back next year as well.
7: We don't want the fans to come out in large audiences. It helps for a good atmosphere and it's something we're we're really looking forward to and what better time than to have as many fans come in, especially at this game and this magnitude of a match. So we're definitely looking forward to it and we're hoping we can sell out the upper bowl as well. Should be great tomorrow and uh, the Vancouver Canucks in action as well tonight. Oh my so gosh. it's a busy sports weekend. Yeah, we'll have those highlights tonight at 11. Uh, hopefully, another one. Hopefully, a clean sweep for the Vancouver teams.
0: Yeah, they've been, Canucks have been doing really well, but this is great to see for the, the Lions. So yes. excited for that. Okay, awesome. Thanks, for Asa. What's well, still to come? We'll have the next generation of inventors getting up close and personal with all things science, tech, and arts, the program boosting interest in girls. This weekend, hundreds of girls are exploring the fields of science, tech, engineering, arts, and design at Science World. As our community reporter Safiya Parani tells us, the event's goal is to help boost their confidence and provide them with the skills to pursue their goals. What you're looking at is the next
5: generation of leaders. What do you want to do when you get older? I want to become a, a pediatrician doctor. Wow. And what's the reason behind that? Um, I really want to like help kids. Around 300 youth aged 12 to 14 gathered at Science World for the sixth annual Girls and STEAM Summit taking part in mentorship sessions and accessible hands-on activities. We're making a filter for dirty water and um, and here we have maybe like sand and charcoal and uh, rocks, so then we're going to try to make like a cheaper version too. The summit's aim is to inspire girls to explore their interest in the fields of science, tech, engineering, arts and design, and math. There is still a really big uh, gap uh, between uh, male, and women, male and female uh, professionals in these worlds, um, which is a real shame, and we are making progress to closing that gap. Um, but what we're seeing is that um, without these kind of events, that uh, engagement, that initiative, uh, isn't coming early enough. And being able to connect with female professionals can have a life-changing impact. Because traditionally, you know, growing up, I think the only like female scientist I read about was Marie Curie, and the rest were all these kind of old 1800s male scientists that I didn't feel like I could relate to. So I think it's really important that Science World and other venues have these sort of events, have these sort of after-school programs that promote science and art, STEAM, and, and what we think is uh, key is girls being able to see themselves reflected in these roles so they can see themselves in 10 20 years time uh, performing these experiments such a positive turnout shows there is scope to do lots more to empower our youth so many people like love science and are, like interested in it and like other girls like to do it too it's really cool it's like going to be such like a good future everyone is so like they really care about this topic. And it's no doubt these curious young minds will go on to do great things. Zafia Perani, Global News.
0: Oh, that's so great. Science World is really a place where anyone feels like they could be an inventor. Yeah.
7: yeah. Like it's the no, juices flowing. So inspiring, but the kids are so inspiring. Yeah. I think you were saying it as well. they
9: was just so well-spoken yeah. and like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm very impressed. Yeah, it's nice to see. The future is looking good. Yeah, so yeah. We we're not like that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we're that Look young. We're <laughs> yeah.
0: um, Weather-wise, how's it looking uh, in the next five days? Still
9: tracking some rainfall this evening with uh, breezy conditions. Uh, we are going to see a brief break through the day tomorrow. My brief, I mean, we could still see a few isolated showers, but the bulk of the rain and the big weather story that we'll be following will be tomorrow night and then taking us in towards our Monday back to work and school. We'll see highs closer to 10 degrees, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, we'll start see a few breaks in there once again uh before you go to bed tonight daylight saving s- time yep yeah, turn that clock behind you get a little extra sleep in for tomorrow yeah that's, that's good on a nice sunday that.
7: yeah today okay. was tough to prepare for coaching the kids soccer game though with oh, right. the rain coming and yeah. then going and then coming so that was tough yeah was we don't spit. have any more of those i don't, I don't like that <laughs> okay,
9: okay i'll put it in a word for you I'll, I'll fix it i'll fix it <laughs> <laughs> thanks for watching have a good night.